Hello, and welcome to the SAMOP Specialty Spotlight Podcast. This podcast was created to help inform military medical students about experiences and opportunities in military medicine. We aim to interview physicians either currently in or retired from the military from all branches of service and in various specialties. Today, we are fortunate to have Dr. August with us. Dr. August founded RAMOPS, which she was the Vice President and President of, and is currently Secretary on the RAMOPS Board. She's recently completed her pediatric residency and is now the Assistant OIC of the Pediatric Clinic at Cornell Army Medical Center. How are you today, ma'am? I am doing great. I'm so happy to be doing this with you all. To begin, I want to ask you some questions about RAMOPS and AMOPS. What benefits has AMOPS, including both AMOPS and RAMOPS, provided you, and why would you advise our SAMOPS listeners to continue in the organization as a resident? I have gone to every AMOPS conference that I have since I was a first-year medical student, and I definitely think that it's helped me get to know people within the military. Military medicine is a very small community, and it's very rewarding to see people that I know when I've gone to other bases or just even moving that have been in the organization before. And so you kind of already have not a friend, but somebody that you can go to to ask questions. I think for Remont specifically, as a resident, it was a nice place where I could go to a national conference. I could present a poster. I could do a couple of presentations and still keep up with osteopathic medicine within the military, which you don't always get within each residency or each area consistently. Can you tell us about your time at AMOPS conferences? My time at AMOPS conferences has been very informative. I would say that I am one of those people that loves to take notes to pay attention, so I have a whole notebook full of various lectures that I've gone to in the past that really have served me well with talking with other people about military medicine. When I was out at my Bullock, which is the Army version of officer training, we definitely had a couple of people that had, for example, some heat casualties. And I had already gotten a talk at the AMOX conference about how the military deals with heat casualties. So I kind of already felt like even though I wasn't directly involved, I already knew what was going to happen. Being able to talk to people that have deployed, have been in the military a long time, it's good to get their advice on changes that are happening. They can say, oh, nope, they tried that 10 years ago, and they decided not to do it, or this is how we handled this issue when it came up before. So it's definitely a great place to meet higher up people within the organization. There's no other place where you can meet former one, two, and three stars and be able to sit and have a conversation with them casually and not worry about, am I going to say the wrong thing? Because everyone is there to be a part of our bigger AMOPS group and help each other out. Do you feel like the lectures at the conferences are one of the more important aspects of the conference, or is there something in particular that is your favorite aspect? I think... Now that I've gone to so, so many conferences in a row, I've been to eight now, I think seeing the same people over and over again is definitely one of the highlights. We are a pretty tight-knit community here at AMOPS, and being able to see the same people year after year, hear updates on what they've been doing, 
getting the new update lectures from people definitely has been interesting to see where everyone else goes when they're not in our lovely room of the now growing, uh, whereas before it was like maybe 30 of us in a room for AMOPs and AMOPs combined and now being a conference of 200 people, it's definitely been rewarding kind of checking in with everyone. I feel like it's growing every single year. Yeah, we had 10 students when I came. We had 10 students and one intern the first year, the first conference that I went to, and we had four acting star generals and admirals at that conference. The one-on-one time was definitely great at that conference. And then since then, you know, growing from 10 to 12 medical students to 30 to 70 to now 170 has definitely been a great thing to see. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of AMOPS? AMOPS was always the parent board. Over time, they started bringing in the medical students and forming AMOPS chapters. There are AMOPS chapters at most of the osteopathic medical school. I know we've added at least five to six new medical schools in the last few years as more have come into being and have started having military students. Raymops was founded much more recently. It used to be that Raymops was just one resident or intern that was a representative on the national board, but we didn't really have a lot of good capture of anybody besides that one resident representative. We wanted to kind of make our robust student population be able to not necessarily jump straight to AMOP's big board, but kind of more of a resident-specific, PMO-specific entity that can kind of address those problems that, or issues or concerns that are a little bit different for residents than they are for people who are already practicing. How would you like to see SAMOPs and its divisions improve and grow as time goes on? I think we've already made so many big changes since even I've been going the last eight years. Uh, I would love to continue to see SAMOPs continue to grow and have more tracks for just student tracks, the track for residents, the track for practicing positions that, you know, we can have multiple things going at the same time. We're still growing and moving towards that, but that's the ultimate goal is to have it be a little bit of a bigger conference that we can really impact more people. Can you tell us a little bit about your responsibilities and role on the AMOPS board? So as secretary, I help to take meeting minutes, of course, for our board meetings in addition to our Alexis, who does so many wonderful things for us. I uh, help to coordinate things during the conference, and then I'm also in charge of making sure that our membership data is what it should be. We're trying in the next few years to incorporate more of our allopathic friends into the student side because it has been a request for many, many years, and we're still looking into how we can do that in the future since we are nationally going to a combined match for AOA and um, AMSA, which is the allopathic version of AOA. It's, it's in discussion, so it, 
Yeah, yeah. Been, I know the students have been working on it, the residents have been interested as well, and then we'll just have to bring it up to the, hopefully the next general meeting we have next year. Yeah, I think that's really great, especially because, at least for me, I joined SAMOPS and I attended the AMOPS conference last year because I wanted to be able to network with other military physicians. And while I do very much so appreciate the osteopathic approach, I do definitely see the value in op opening it up to our allopathic counterparts because ultimately, right, like we're all doctors or will be in the military. I do appreciate But you guys are at least discussing that. Yep, and we're all on the same team when we're deployed, and we're all on the same team when we're at our individual bases and in our individual clinics, so we might as well support each other as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Is there anything in regards to AMOPS that you would like to discuss before we move on to pediatrics? If you're already listening to this podcast, you already know the importance of AMOPS, so just keep coming back and... Our goal is to get you to be the best military osteopathic physician that we can be. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, I now want to discuss pediatrics, if that's okay with you, ma'am, uh, which is something yep. obviously also very close to my heart, as it is my number one, at least currently, um, and has been for a while. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, what medical school you attended, where you went for residency? I grew up in California, Northern California, in the San Francisco Bay Area. I was lucky enough to get into medical school also in the San Francisco Bay Area. I went to Toro, California, which was a great location and very close to Travis Air Force Base, so I got to do a couple of rotations over there. Even though I'm Army, I was still able to do some military rotations. I went to Tripler for my residency program in pediatrics and enjoyed my time greatly. My one day off a week in Hawaii was great. Why did you choose to become a physician originally, and then why did you want to join the military? Growing up, I always wanted to help people. I was the quote-unquote designated nurse at home, so whatever the doctor said at the office, I would make sure we did it when we got home because I was the assistant. But maybe I want to be a vet, maybe I want to be a doctor. And then as time went on, I realized that working with people and helping people stay healthy was more what I wanted to do with my life. As for joining the military, I was fortunate enough to have both of my grandfathers be in the military during World War II. One of my grandfathers was in the Navy for 20 years, starting off as a junior seaman, which is what you are when you are 17 and you have parental permission to join the military back in the 30s. And he just spoke so highly of all of the things that being in the military allowed him to do, including travel, great training, great leadership training that really helped him after he retired for 20 years. So even though he had passed by the time I had decided to go to medical school and get there, I thought that that was a good way for me to get back to my country and then also get great training. Everyone in the family was very proud of their service, and I don't like boats, so therefore Army just wanted to have my boots physically on the ground and not on the boat. 
it's interesting because for me it was the opposite. I'm like, you know what? I love the ocean. I've always felt a calling towards the ocean. So I was considering the other branches, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I should just go with my gut and go with my heart. And so I chose, I chose Navy. But I think they're all fantastic. Yep, they're all fantastic. And as we move into DHA and being a more purple medical core, where all the branches are working together at various spaces, I think this. The individual time that we get to spend with our branches is great, but we still at least get to be the same team. Yes, ma'am, I agree. So what led you to pursue pediatrics, particularly within the military? When I went to medical school, I had done an after's project where I had worked with obese children with an intervention program to help them kind of either, you know, lose the weight or at least stop gaining weight, and that was my big kind of medical side project I had done, and I'd always loved working with kids. I went to medical school, and I'm like, I'm going to try all the specialties, and I'm going to find what I like. Maybe it's pediatrics, maybe it's not. Once I got to vacations, I was like, okay, the world is my oyster. I'm just going to figure out what I like to do. Did a couple of vacations. I was like, okay, this is fine. I should have known during my first C-section when I was helping to do the actual suction part, they got the baby out. I was like, oh, look, a baby, and I was so excited. And then all of a sudden, the baby was leaving the rail with the dad, and I'm like, where's the baby going? And they're like, no, no, you're going to show up to mom. I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to go with the baby. That should have been my first clue. I started my pediatric rotation next. I got the flu. I got a horrible cold, and I got pink eye all in a six-week span, and I Still was so excited to go every single day and see kids help, you know, help do the counseling with the parents. So that's what kind of touched my decision. Like, okay, I've been sick one vacation and I've been on every other vacation or ever in the last three years, and I still want to go every day. So I found what made my heart happy. That's the best thing you can do for picking your specialty. That's fantastic. I feel like I have a similar feeling. I've only at this point seen one woman give birth, and it was the same type of thing where I was like, yeah, that part was interesting, but what I really liked at the end, the best part was when the baby was born, and then there was a baby, and the baby was really cute. I completely understand that. Have you found it challenging to be a pediatrician within the military when the military itself is people who are 18 and older? I find that the military members, when bringing their kids into CS, are so appreciative of seeing someone in a uniform seeing their children because they know that they're getting great care and that you understand some of the family dynamic that they have by being in the military. It definitely makes it a little bit easier when you wear the same uniform as their parents do, that they, you know, the kids are a little bit happier to see you. Sometimes they realize halfway through that you're not, in fact, one of their parents, and then they're not okay with you, but it kind of builds that sense of community that we're in the military together, I'm here to take care of your children, and that wearing the same uniform as you do, we're playing for the same team, let's get your kids the best care we can. That's a really good take on it. These men and women are going out there to protect us and protect our country. 
and then in return, we're protecting what potentially you could argue is most important to them, which is their children and caring for their children. Yeah, and pediatrics is unique, too, in the fact that we don't actually just take care of 18 and under. Most pediatricians in the military in uniform see up to 23, sometimes 26. And adolescent medicine, which oh, kind of stands both pediatrics, family medicine, and internal medicine, have kind of adolescent fellowships. Adolescents we see up to 26, but some of the adolescent clinics. So we do get a large array of over 18 that we see occasionally. And if you think about most of the fighting force within the military, most of them are younger, under kind of that 23 age or are still technically teenagers themselves in that 18, 19 range. So a lot of the issues that we do deal with pediatric clinics still extend once you turn 18 and you go in the military. It's just navigating how you want to grow up and be an adult, and that's a big part of being a pediatrician is guiding people through that. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Does that only include individuals that are suffering from any condition that they had as a child or something congenital, or is it just, hey, you're under 26, so I'll see you? It's a level of both. We definitely do hang on to some of our more medically complex young adults for a little bit longer to make sure that they're transitioning to an adult provider is smooth. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Do you enjoy that part of your job just as much as seeing actual children? It depends on the day, but yes, I do enjoy helping people get to where they need to go. It is a big step for a lot of people to kind of transition their care away from where they're comfortable, which is pediatric to the adult side. So having those conversations and having somebody realize that, like, oh, I can graduate, I can go to the next level of my career with an adult provider, that is pretty rewarding when we get to have those kind of conversations and kind of transitioning our life away from being at home, being out on our own. That's really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about your time during your residency? Residency, no matter where you go, the most important thing when picking where you want to be is the people that you're going to work with. Residency, the hour cap is 80 hours a week, which means you're going to be spending a lot of time with the other people in the residency class and the other residents. So trying to find somewhere where you feel like you have a good personality match or everyone's style fits your own definitely helps make residency a little bit easier. I was very fortunate to go to my first choice of residency at Tripler in Hawaii, and I picked it because of the residents that I got to work with and the other students that I got to work with when I was there. Kind of the atmosphere, the sense of community and family was something that I was really looking forward to because I knew no matter where I was going to go, I was going to be spending a lot of time with those people. Did you find yourself generally working 80 hours per week or did it vary? It varies greatly on many different factors. Uh, definitely, intern year is a tough year for everyone. 
There are certain things in order to be a military intern that you need to do while you're in pediatrics, including doing adult ER, which is a little bit different than some of the other uh, civilian residencies that you will find. And that is because as officers in the military, the goal is to get you through engineer so you could potentially be a general medical officer. In the Army Pediatrics, it is a straight through, you do engineer straight into the rest of your residency. For the Navy, sometimes you only get to do your pediatric engineer, and then you need to go out and do a GMO for a few years before coming back to finish your pediatric residency. In the Air Force, it's more of a straight through, like, the Army. However, with DHA and things changing, that's not as change in the future. So that's a little bit different for us here in the military than it is for civilians. That's really great to hear because I also did not know that. So I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. That's the point of these podcasts is to inform us and get this knowledge passed on. I was thinking about that. I am interested in doing a GMO once I'm finished with my intern year. And I was kind of like, I don't know how I'm going to go from working with kids to potentially emergency adult cases. In that transition, might be challenging when I've been worried about it. So it's actually good to know that it's incorporated within our training. Yes. And I have also given the math and residency talks for a number of years. So I'm slightly more knowledgeable than other people just because through CMOPs and RAMOPs talk to a lot of different branches. Fingers crossed if we have the conference this year. Are you going to be talking at that conference? I am sure I am on the schedule already. I don't know what lecture I'm doing, but I'm sure I will be speaking. I am one of the pediatric mentors signed up by anybody. You can also find me through there. How do you develop officership while in medical school, and how do we continue to be strong officers in the military as we advance in our careers? In medical school, there should be opportunities for you within your own military club, but also within your student government of the medical school. Most medical schools have some sort of governing body, whether it's a secretarial position, academic affairs position. Getting involved in one of those things will also help you with your officership and just developing leadership skills. Obviously, the skills that we develop by coming to AMOPs, RAMOPs, AMOPs meetings where we can kind of see how other higher-ranking officers handle themselves in those situations is very helpful, but just doing the basic you know, I'm going to be the academic vice president of my medical school class. I'm going to be the designated person that talks to such and such dean about any issues we're having. I had the opportunity of being VP for my class, and then I was the rotations VP in addition because we just, like, combined a bunch of jobs together. And then I somehow got roped into being the military liaison for my class, which, because I was in... SAMOPs and had been the National Secretary of SAMOPs meant that I had a better understanding of the needs of other military branches, of what students would need in order to help complete officership training 
within medical school. So there's always opportunities, even if it's not military-related, taking opportunities to be a leader within a club will help you develop more skills because everyone is smart when you get to medical school and being around other people and hearing their ideas of how they like to be led or how they like to do things will just help you get a wider range of how to deal with different learning styles, different leadership styles, so that when you get to the military, you kind of have a broader understanding of how to work with others. That's what's great about AMOP is it does have a lot of opportunities for leadership. Why not have a leadership position within a military organization? Yes, and we definitely have expanded the AMOP leadership positions from, I think we have maybe a and we didn't have enough people for a 10-person board. My first year that I went, we had like four people on the board, five people maybe. And then we expanded to a 10-person board, and then now we have the large boards that you see, which makes elections that much more fun to run. But it definitely is needed because we have so many students. Absolutely. Is there anything that you wish you knew as a medical student or intern? I think the number one thing I wish I do as a medical student is that taking breaks and taking vacations is something that you will miss when you get to residency. And no. really enjoy that time. Once you become a full active duty officer, it's tougher to do the international travel, do extended vacations for multiple weeks in a row. So doing kind of bigger trips is easier in medical school then when you get to residency. As an intern, I think the number one thing I wish I would have worked on is trying to find my workout group for training for PT tests earlier rather than later. Finding that time to decompress, spend time with other people is very important, but also, you know, running laps around the track and talking to each other is also a great way to spend time with people not talking about medical stuff. It also helped me get to know my staff really well because our active duty staff would also come and do exercises with us. It was something I wish I would have realized I should have joined sooner. And luckily my program already had that kind of in place, so I just had to like absorb into them, but it definitely would have helped me earlier on. Do most programs have that? Most programs try to do some sort of PT as a group. It's a great way to do team building in general. But this was more of an extra, let's go run, let's practice our push-ups, but I'll then do some fun Taibo videos as well, because why not? We're going to push all the chairs aside in our conference room and do an exercise video at 4 o'clock every day after the clinic is closed. Nice. Where have you been stationed and what different positions have you held throughout your military career? So, obviously, I just did my regular military after duty time when I was in medical school. I went straight to Tripwater for my three years of residency. And then, since then, I graduated by the in 2018, and then I got stationed here in Texas. So I've not been as adventurous as some other people with the locations I have been. But it's been PCSing 
from school to residency is very different than once you've been in the military for a while. It seems a little bit easier once you've done it once. I have a question in regards to when you TCS. Does the military provide movers, or do you have to cover by yourself? So the military movers will come, people will pack up all your stuff, and then they load it onto a box, and then you lay the buy all your stuff in a shipping crate, and you wait for it to get to wherever you are on the other side. I had to move, obviously, across the ocean, so my stuff had to go sit on a boat and float across the ocean for a long time. For the fully covered military moves, they do come inside your house, pack up all your stuff, and then unpack it when you get there, or at least put all the boxes inside to where you want them. There is an option for a duty move, which is a do-it-yourself move, which obviously, depending on where you're going, is either possible or not possible. Going across the ocean, getting stationed overseas, going to Alaska, going to Europe, it doesn't work. <laughs> you have to have them with you, but some of the other locations, you do have that option. So to hear that they take care of us when we have to make sure that. Yes, they do. What has kept you in the military? I would definitely say the people that I get to work with have been a big reason for, you know, enjoying my time within the military. Everyone has had similar, like, hey, I got moved. I wasn't expecting necessarily to come here, but this is where I am. It's more of a family within the military because everyone's had similar situations of getting up early, doing the long hours, people going to field exercises, whatever you were doing next. There's somebody who is at least knows somebody that you can contact that's done something similar or, oh, I know the person that is going to be leaving it. Let me give you their information. So the networking that we have here within the military is definitely really strong and the whole point is we are going to potentially be working with everyone. Everyone's eventually going to be a colleague or a colleague of a colleague. So bringing everyone up together is the goal. So making everyone strong is always the intention of helping each other out which we do very well here in the military. We're not competing for business. We're not competing for patients. We're just here to do what's best for each other and for the mission. So I understand that things change like happens, but how many years are you planning on staying in? Right now I have a four-year commitment for my four-year HTSP. We will see where the world of the military is when that time comes. My current tour is supposed to be three years. I'm probably going to try to extend to do at least four years here in Texas. We'll have to see. So I might be four years, but I know a lot of people who said, oh, yeah, I thought I was staying here for four years, and I'm on year 15. So it changes all the time for people because, you know, it is a good, it's, Something different, and if you like having some variety in what you're doing, the military does provide a lot of opportunities to try different things to do the different things. What are some pitfalls we should avoid as physicians and or officers? I think 
pitfalls to avoid the position is truly going to depend on how you learn above information and how your personality comes out in talking with patient family. So as pediatrics, a lot of the talking that I do has to do to the families and the parents, not necessarily the patient themselves. We see babies a lot more frequently than we see older kids, so being able to find the way to talk to people that makes them understand what you're saying is a little bit different in pediatrics, but also just in general. So trying to find a way not getting stuck in, like, this is the only way I'll talk about this certain things, if it makes sense to me. Kind of have to broaden your horizon for how to explain things to people, because some people are visual. I draw a lot of weird pictures of anatomy for people that kind of look like what they're supposed to look like. And then sometimes it's about, I'm going to give you an information packet and you can read. It's about finding what works best for people. And that sometimes people get stuck in, like, I can't explain this to this person. Can you just come in and tell them the exact same thing that I said, but somehow different? And I've definitely had people come in and say, like, three words to my patient. They go, oh, I understand exactly. Oh, that's what you meant? I'm like, oh, yes. Thank you. So I think the communication pitfalls is what usually gets us. And that's the same with the military side, too. Trying to, you know, communicate clearly and be on the same page as everyone means that you sometimes have to figure out, okay, are we looking at the forest right now or are we looking at the trees? How can we kind of talk about the same thing but looking at different angles? Thank you so much for that advice, ma'am. That wraps up our episode with Dr. August today. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your experiences with us future military physicians. And for those of you listening, if you have any recommendations for the podcast or anything you'd like to hear in particular, feel free to email fanoxeducationchair at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.